and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is the 13th part in our series called Revolutionary, with the conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. We're going to continue on, though, and get into our discussion for the day to continue to process and engage with transformation, not just now, not just in action, but now through more of our minds and our souls as we engage the scriptures of Jesus. And uh, as many of you know, we uh, have been in this series now for a couple months, and we're actually wrapping it up in just two more weeks. Um, but we've been trying to engage in this series called Revolutionary, where we have taken a detailed look at one of the main teachings in the scriptures of Jesus that talk about how Jesus brings change and revolution to all things around us. Uh, We've been noting that we wanted to engage in this series because this is a season where many of us have been thinking about the changes needed, both in our society but also in our own personal lives. And for the last couple weeks, we've been actually getting pretty personal with this discussion of revolution because as we've been looking at this specific scripture from Jesus, we've been noting that this scripture has been getting really personal now with us, getting into things like our sexuality, our marriage, our family life, all those kind of things. And so today, we're going to continue with that trajectory because of the way the scripture is written, and we're going to talk about revolutionary families, revolutionary families. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, this is an interesting topic, but, you know, I'm not really a family person, right? Like, I don't have my own family. Maybe that's how, what we think about when we think of the term family. And so we're like, well, how does this relate to us? Well, I think it's pretty easy to see, just with a few moments of reflection, that actually all of us need to talk about this topic of revolutionary family, because all of us are actually a part of a family, right? Uh, if not biological, then social. If not social, then spiritual. We may not have our quote-unquote own family. We may not be parents, but we are all affected by family and this concept of family, this social reality of family. And so we're going to get started with a simple discussion question around our tables to get our minds going on this topic. If you could turn to your neighbor and answer this simple but perhaps very deep uh, question, how does family impact you? Maybe how it impacts you as a child, as you reflect back on your childhood. How does it impact you perhaps right now? Uh, I realize this could be you know, a very, very deep question, but let's begin this process of thinking through our topic here for the day. All right, two minutes, turn to your neighbor, share what comes to mind. All right, so who wants to share with our larger group this morning about how family has impacted or continues to impact them today? It's a pretty personal question. I realize that. I was just saying that I feel like growing up, my family helped me to um, establish values and um, sort of 
how I did things as a child. And I think that as I became an adult, I took those, the things that my family taught me, uh, but then also became my own person. And uh, the last thing I was just saying to Michael is I, my, my mom comes from a long line of independent women. And I think that that's become like a double-edged sword because, um, you know, now I want to be an independent woman. And my mom's like, but come home and, and be with us. And so, yeah, so it's kind of the, a little bit of a negative on that side too. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a positive and negative aspect to this. Yeah. All right. Jose, how does family impact you? Um, because I'm trying so hard to be exactly the opposite of my biological father, I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. So he, his negativity um, cast a shadow of, um, of just, I did not want to be that. And my, and my father, the, you know, the world calls um, a, a man who steps in as a stepfather, but he stepped in and, and showed me how to be a man. And uh, sometimes I've taken that overboard and, you know, stretched myself completely because I'm trying to be this super father, but it's because I've had the good and the bad and the negative and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. so it impacts you when you are, don't have a specific image of what what it means. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, exactly. Who else? How else has parents impacted you? Yeah. Hi. I'm just sharing, like, on behalf of our group, um, but we talked about siblings for some reason and, like, favoritism and just how that shapes, like, we didn't get too into it because it was a short conversation, but our younger sibling or, like, just different places in the family and how favoritism shapes who, how we see ourselves or our siblings shape how we view ourselves. Yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Over here. I'm also going to share for the table. Um, we talked about uh, Latin American migration and how that affected each of our families specifically. I, you know, my family, I lived without my parents for like eight years uh, in Honduras while they were here undocumented. Um, and you grow up not really realizing how that separation really affects you. And, you know, as I'm trying to heal from those things, my sister still holds grudges towards people that hurt us over there, right? That now maybe they're trying to call us up and ask for help and things like that. And she's like, you know, she's like, no, they remember what they did to us and things like that. And Luz also shared that while she was there, you know, she was treated, when she lived in Mexico, she was treated badly because uh, she was poor compared to other family members. And now that she's in the U.S., she's, I guess, better off than they are. And they're constantly, you know, asking her for help. And she's like remembering those grudges that she held, uh, that she still holds and is trying to heal from because of family prep. Yeah, no, that's huge. Migration, being hurt when families are separated, that's huge. Yeah, anybody else? Thank you. All right, the youth table. I was waiting for you guys, but I was also scared because my kids are here too, so. Hi. Uh, uh, I'm not speaking on the basis of the group. I'm just kind of speaking for myself, so don't worry. <laughs> um, but I think uh, my family, like, is still impact impacting me since I'm still technically a child, but um, I feel like they, although they have, like, uh, really taken care of me and made me the person that I am today, I've also, like, a lot of fears have developed because of family problems, yeah. and um, also it's, like, growing, like, I've matured, but more of, like, from the negative things, so I kind of see what my parents maybe did wrong, and, like, I'm just, I evaluate that, and I'm just kind of, I've, so that in the future, when I have my own family, I won't do, commit the same mistakes that they made. So it's more of like, they kind of, although they did do positive things, they kind of developed these fears and kind of like, 
these things to stay away from when yeah. I get older. So. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. How, yeah, oh yeah, you can give Jenny, yeah, I love how the youth table is so supportive. Yeah, give Jenny a hand, thank you. How many of you, just by show of hands, felt like you shared something that entailed something both positive and negative? I mean, how, how many of you pretty much was like positive and negative? Okay. How many of you only like felt like you could think of something, a, a, a negative influence? Some of you, okay. How many of you were like, no, I had some really positive reflections as I was thinking about it. Okay, yeah, some positive, good, good, good. You know, it's interesting as we think about this issue of family. Uh, the reality is, of course, we've all been impacted by our families. Uh, some for good, some for bad, many of us for a mix. And the, the crazy thing, I think, as we begin to engage or continue to engage this idea of revolution and living a revolutionary life, the crazy thing is that Jesus has so much to say also about families and about our experiences in the past, our experiences in the present, and how families can and should be as we move forward. Now, as we get ready to engage uh, with our scriptures, let me just remind us of where our conversation has been, just so we can get ready to engage, I think, something very beautiful, but also very short and sweet, as you'll, as you'll see really soon. You'll remember that we've been tracking with the Jesus story and how Jesus impacted a city known as Ephesus, right? Many of you have been here now for the last two months. You know we've been tracking their journey. You'll remember that when Jesus and his story entered into the city, the city literally revolutionized. It literally changed. It, like, everything about the city changed. In fact, we have uh, recorded in some historical records that the city was about to go through a complete economic crash uh, because of how Jesus was changing things, uh, but some people stepped in and what have you. A few years later, right, the author, Paul, writes a letter to the city to remind them and encourage them of this spiritual revolution that they went through because of Jesus. And as he's talking about things, you'll remember that he talks about how Jesus, who is alive today, literally transformed their lives. And the way he transformed their lives was primarily through rescuing them from the power of evil, the power of sin and giving them a new life, giving them a new identity, giving them a new power to live above and beyond the brokenness of our world, right? And as he's talking about this, he's, he's gotten into a lot of different subjects. We talked about things like a new humanity and how the divi divisions and divisiveness we face in our world, we, how we can overcome those and be united. He's talked about the sexual brokenness uh, he's talking about uh, the marriage brokenness, all sorts of different things. And he finally now gets into this place of talking about the family. Now, back in that time, some 2,000 years ago, the family unit was seen as essential to the health of a city. I think we still think that way today, although I think our society has changed quite a bit. We have more single people or people not living uh, with immediate biological families now more than ever in the history of the world. So, so we, we have changed a little bit as a society compared to what's, going, what's happened 2,000 years ago. But again, nonetheless, we still feel the impact of our families, right? Like we've just said. And so as we get to engage this passage, this excerpt, 
I want to encourage us to just remember this backdrop that has been happening in this letter, that this is all about a revolution that has taken place because the power of evil and sin has been broken. And this love has entered in through Jesus. This new way of living, this new potential, this new power to live has come in because of Jesus. And so now he's getting into the details, talking about what it might look like if we were to walk in this new way. And so take a look at your excerpt, if you will. It's pretty short. We'll read it through, but then we'll get into the details and discuss what he's actually talking about. It says this, children, so talk to the kids first. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. When he uses the word Lord, he's referring to Jesus, okay? Jesus is given that title all throughout this letter. So children, obey your parents in Jesus, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty simple. To the point, what is he actually talking about? Let's just take this chunk by chunk, and let's take a look first at what he's saying to the children. Now, the first sentence is most likely in reference to children who are still living under the authority of their parents. So children in our culture probably under the age of 18. But you'll need to note that the second sentence is actually directed to both adult children and children who are still juvenile, okay? Um, we know that through the context of uh, where this quotation come from, comes from in the second sentence. I'll get into it later. But notice the first phrase, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. A couple things to note. Number one, this word for obey, it actually literally is translated listen. Now, as we all know, listening doesn't mean just listening to something with your ears and just kind of thinking about it. It means action associated with listening. And so the translation obey is a good translation. Do what your parents say. But... Notice that phrase that we kind of already camped out on, in Jesus or in the Lord. It's very important to think about that because what it's pointing to is that there are really two, two reasons or two ways we should listen to our parents or two, two things that stand behind this idea. Number one, your listening and obeying your parent isn't for the sake of pleasing your parent, per se, although that may be part of it, it's really because Jesus has revolutionized your life. It's really because Jesus is somebody you want to begin to honor, you want to begin to follow in your life. This, this commandment is given to those who are really saying yes to Jesus and not just like, okay, this is a nice social command for us to think about. It's, it's again, this, this, is, this whole thing is about a revolution that has happened through Jesus. And so 
Children who are still living under the, their parents' house, I'm looking at this section. Yeah, hi, thank you. My daughter's waving and smiling at me. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, this isn't about listening to your parents just because. It's about, are you wanting to follow Jesus? Are you hoping to live a life for Him? If so, then part of that will be to listen to your parents. Now, here's the second thing it means, though, in Jesus. It also means that Jesus ultimately is the one you follow. And so that there, there will be times where probably your parents will ask you to do something that you're like, wait a second, I'm not sure if Jesus would ask me to do that. So what do I do when that happens? Well, I think the second command or the second sentence will help you. And this is actually for all of us who are adults in this room as well. The second sentence goes on to say, honor your father and mother, right? Now, honor doesn't necessarily mean obey, correct? Honor means things like respect. Honor means things like, you know, revere, you know, treat them well in your thoughts and actions, but it doesn't necessarily mean obey. And so sometimes, children under 18, your obedience to your parents may come to a certain crossroads where you feel like, man, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do what they say because it's kind of not what Jesus would do. Well, make sure you still honor them. Make sure you still respect them. But begin to ask Jesus and ask others who follow Jesus, well, what should I do? Because I feel this tension. Us adults, we are in the same shoes as adults as well, right? Uh, I'm sure all of us and myself as well my parents definitely still tell me to do certain things. Even though I'm almost 40, I have two kids, I have their grandkids, uh, we make our own money, all those kind of things, my parents still have very strong opinions on what I should do and not do. And truth be told, many times I, there's something in me that just wants to say, why are you still telling me to do this? <laughs> why are you still worried? I mean, I even had, uh, not too long ago, as a pastor, my mom still would critique me for wearing jeans, <laughs> right? Like, you shouldn't wear jeans on Sunday because she comes from a certain tradition and culture that, where that's just not allowed. And, and, and I'm wearing chucks now, sneakers. Like, this is like a bad thing, right? Um, now, I still wear jeans. I've decided, you know, I, I can't, you know, I don't think that's an obedience thing, but I, I honor my parents. <laughs> I still honor my mom. I still respect her. I still believe she's somebody worthy of my, my attention. I still see her as my mom. I, I need to honor her and respect her. But, it, it, you know, there's, there's a difference between flat-out obedience and honor, right? Again, though, notice that this, there's, this is tied into following Jesus. There's a bigger issue at hand. And specifically, notice what it says in sentence two. This is the first commandment with a promise there's a promise associated with this idea. And this is now referring to the scriptures Jesus held to, the Torah. In the Torah, there, were this, there was this list of 10 commandments. Uh, many of you are familiar with that. And this is the first one out of the 10 that actually is associated with a guaranteed promise happening when you obey that commandment. And the commandment or the, the promise is very straightforward, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
Now just think about that real quick. That's pretty huge. I've, I've had to go to this commandment or go to this idea in many times in my life, both as a child and also as an adult, when my parents really told me something that I felt like was not according to what God was wanting for my life. I remember the first time that I had to really think about this scripture passage from Jesus was when I was 19. And I was, like many of you probably were, in, you know, going through a situation in my life where I thought my life, I was supposed to do this one thing, and my parents were like, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. Now, the thing I was hoping to do, though, was actually become a pastor because I had literally heard from Jesus, this is what you need to do. And so I'm headed this way because I really believe Jesus has asked me to do that, but my parents are saying, no, no, you're crazy. You can't do that. You have to do this. And so I remember literally coming to this scripture excerpt and, and talking to Jesus, like, Jesus, so what am I supposed to do? How do I do this? I feel you're saying I should do this, but my parents are saying this. And I, I heard him clearly say, you know what, you just need to honor them right now and just trust me. What that meant was actually declaring a certain major in university, going down a certain track, becoming a doctor. So I literally got a bio degree, worked in a lab, took the MCAT. I did all that because I, I felt like Jesus was saying that that's what you need to do in this moment, honor them and trust me. Three years later, after that, when I was 22, God had actually been intervening in my parents' life and actually changing their hearts quite a bit. And it got to a point where they realized that, wow, our son is not meant to be a doctor. I would have been a pretty bad doctor, I think. I think it would have been okay. <laughs> but I was the guy who was like falling asleep during MCAT class because I just could not, like, that was not what I was supposed to do. I knew that. And it was just hard to be there. But I, I felt like God had say, honor them. And so I went for it. I've had to think about this a lot in my other parts of my life. Uh, kind of like Jose was saying, my dad uh, was not the best dad. Uh, he passed away some years ago, and as we were thinking about uh, his impact on our life, specifically the negative impact on our, on our lives, um, we had choices to make as children growing up in his household. We could grow up very upset and angry about what he had done to us, or we could forgive and honor him, even at his funeral, even today, even though he's not here, we can make a choice to honor him and forgive despite what he had done. So this, this idea goes on quite a bit, right? The key here is noticing the promise, noticing that good and long life will follow us. I'm, I'm curious right now, if you are experiencing maybe some turmoil in your life, if you're experiencing some really rocky things in your life, and maybe you've been experiencing it for a long time, could it be because you've missed out on honoring your parents? Again, not flat-out obedience. Maybe they haven't been the best parents. Maybe they've hurt you and abused you and all those kind of things. Yeah, we, we went through that growing up. I understand. But perhaps honoring involves forgiving and respecting Yes, you still have the boundaries. You still are very guarded with your emotions and, and with the, the fear that could be there. Yes, totally understand. You need to do that. Some of us really need to do that. But perhaps there's a, a way to honor. Now, 
Let's look at this for kids, and then, or for, excuse me, for the parents, and then we'll break up into some more discussion time. Revolutionary families, there's a lot to say to the parents. It's only one sentence, but let's just break it down to make sure we understand what it's saying. If you look at with me, sentence number four, fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. The word for exasperate, I think the Spanish actually translated a little better, literally means make angry, okay? Now, those of us who are parents in this room, we know how easy this is, right? Because you get angry and you make your kids angry. That's very simple, <laughs> very simple. Those of you who don't, aren't parents yet but grew up under parents, that's all of us, most of us, we know how easy it is, right, to get angry at our parents. It just happens. And so here's, here's the question. Parents, how in the world are we going to do this? How are we supposed to not irritate our kids, not make them angry? Uh, there's a lot of actually parenting resources for, out there that we can definitely talk about. Uh, we have these uh, quarterly parenting seminars, so make sure you come to those. That's where we begin to address some of those. But I think it's easy enough to say that both extremes, whether we're on the controlling extreme or the totally let loose extreme, both extremes are not good. Both extremes lead to children eventually somewhere down the line getting irritated, getting upset, getting angry. We need to be careful, parents. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, couple words here that are used that are really important. It says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of Jesus. What does that mean? Bring them up, really fascinating word. It means to nourish. It actually is used in other parts of the ancient world to mean like nourish, like feed your body, like kind of nourishment. And when I think about this, I think about two things. First of all, nourishment involves some, something good, right? Like good food is nourishing. You have to have healthy food. But the best kind of nourishment tastes good too, right? And so parents, we should ask ourselves, are we giving our kids not just good content, but are we making it taste good when we give it to them? Fascinating way to think about parenting as nourishment. The second word that's used is training, bring them up, nourish them in the training of Jesus, the instruction of Jesus. What does training mean? Well, training is a good act translation of the word because it kind of gives you a picture of like physical training or sports training. That's the idea. We're talking about a total life style, a total life perspective on parenting. We're not just talking about rules. We're not just talking about morals. We're talking about everything. And so parents in this room, we need to think about parenting from the holistic perspective. Now, some of us are really good at that because the culture we live in pushes us to certain things. The culture says, yeah, kids should maybe do sports or sing in uh, a musical. We have musical singers. Yeah, awesome. You know, kids should be involved with music. Kids should do well academically. That, that's great. I think we, we live in a culture that thinks holistically, so that's good. And if you're here, you're also thinking spiritually, which is really good too. Keep it up, parents. Keep that holistic perspective going. Don't let go of that. That's, that's actually really positive. And then notice the, the last word, and then we'll break up for discussion here. The last word is instruction. Bring them up in the training and also instruction 
of Jesus. Instruction here means probably what you think it means, but maybe more specifically, it means both the positive encouragements and the more corrective uh, encouragement we need to give as parents. Now, the key, again, is this last phrase, of Jesus or of the Lord. We need to remember that parents, our goal is not to get our kids to do what we want them to do. It's ultimately to get them in touch with Jesus and what Jesus wants them to do. And not only that, our goal as parents is to recognize that one of the first things Jesus wants them to do or wants them to realize is something we need to own up to as parents. And that is, we are far from perfect as parents. In fact, we are probably pretty bad parents, aside from the grace and love and transformation of God. And perhaps the best thing we could ever do for our kids as parents and for all of us, really, all of us are, are in this thing of family, in this thing of raising each other up, really, right? It takes a village to raise a child, that idea. We're all in this together. Perhaps one of the most profound things we could do is recognize, wow, we are imperfect people. We need help. There's only one perfect person around. His name is Jesus. We need to look to him and ask for his empowerment. We need to ask and thank him for how he is intervening in our lives. I've done a lot of talking. I apologize. Parenting is something pretty exciting for me. Let's turn to our neighbors and prepare to wrap up, but wrap up with this question with your neighbors, and then I'll wrap it up up here. What do you agree with, disagree with in this discussion on revolutionary families? Agree, disagree with what's here. What do you think? So one of the things that um, we need to process here, and, and again, this, there's a lot we could talk about. This, this is very, uh, I think this is a very interesting excerpt because it's so short. But if you go to like the parenting section at, at Barnes & Noble or something like that, you'll just see hundreds of books on this subject. And so there's a lot we could talk about that we're not going to talk about here. Again, we, we try to do these quarterly seminars on parenting. If you work with kids, if you have kids, you should definitely go to these things. They're, they're pretty good. Um, but, but coming back to this idea of revolution and how Jesus changes everything. How did Jesus exactly change parenting back then and how does he do it today? I kind of already alluded to it that Jesus um, is only perfect person, perfect parent, perfect child even. And I think that's really important to, to reflect on because here, here's the deal. We talked about how for the city of Ephesus, Jesus came and broke the power of sin and evil and brokenness in our world. How did he exactly break that power? He did that through dying on a cross. Okay, and many of us realize that Jesus died on a cross, and many of us realize that when Jesus died on a cross, there was an exchange that took place, right? He took on the sin and brokenness and evil of the world, and he kind of took the consequences of that and the power of that and, and, and 
took it and died with him. I, a few weeks ago, I talked about how uh, Harry Potter kind of draws on this idea, right? Like Harry Potter's a horcrux and all these things, and he has to die to kind of kill off evil, that kind of idea, right? So that's part of what Jesus does. But there's another exchange that happens there that is just as important. It's the exchange that goes the other direction. Jesus lived a perfect life. He's the only perfect person. He's the only perfect child that will ever be. He's the only perfect parent that will ever exist. He lived a perfect life. Why did he have to live a perfect life? Why did he do it? Well, yeah, he's God. Okay, that makes sense. But he also, he's also fully human. Why did he live a perfect life? Because the exchange, there was an exchange that happened the other direction as well. He took on the sin and evil, and he exchanged it with us giving us His perfection. That exchange happened at the cross, and that is what broke the power of sin and evil in our world. And that's the exchange that will break the power of sin and evil in our life today and revolutionize our life, our sexuality, our marriage, our family life today. And so it's interesting when you read this twice, it says it brings up Jesus. It needs to bring up Jesus because Jesus is the way forward for us. And so can you join me in a word of prayer then as we wrap things up? As we think about what's been said here and as you think about your experience with family, with parents, your experience as a child, whatever it may be. I'm going to assume there are hurts and wounds and frustrations that have been stirred up. I'm going to assume there have been some exciting and wonderful, warm, memorable moments that have been stirred up as well. Can I encourage us to come to Jesus with what has been brought up, to thank Him, perhaps, for what's been brought up, to ask Him for a power, to commit to Him the new life that He wants to give you, the exchange He wants to take place with you, so that you and I can have the power to experience revolutionary families. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time to process and engage with, with this very real and deep part of us, this deep part of our story, this deep part of our journeys. Would you continue to enable us to trust you, to thank you, to allow you to enter into our lives so that we can experience the revolutionary life that you lay out for us. Thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.